Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, here in Philadelphia, we have a problem. All right, we have the problem. Gary Clark is on the roster. Gary Clark is going to be on a number one seed play NBA playoff team roster in Cincinnati land. That means it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. How pumped are you? I'm feeling good, Hummer. I mean, how how sweet it is that Gary Clark be joining you in Philadelphia right in time for the playoffs. I think this means that every single Cincinnati Bearcat fan is now a Philadelphia Sixer fan heading into the NBA playoffs. Nonetheless, Hummer, it's exciting to have Gary Clark on the team. I don't know how big of a role he's expected to have. I will say that Gary Clark, in terms of how he fits onto an NBA roster, it probably doesn't get much more ideal than playing next to Joel Embiid. I think that's a nice fit for Gary Clark specifically. So I'll be, I'll be excited to watch and see if he gets any minutes in the playoffs and, and what his role looks like. Well, I can tell you that I'm, I'm kind of excited. Uh, I think we might've talked about this, but for those of you who don't know for the past two months or so, I've been heavily involved with uh, taking my talents to Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my wife and I are moving there. So if we get the playoff that we deserve, the playoff that the NBA needs, the Brooklyn Nets versus the 76ers. I'm definitely going to be rocking my 76ers gear around in, in Brooklyn. Screw that. Kevin Durant, you can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this is, I'm stealing someone's joke, and I can't remember where I saw it. It was, it was on Twitter or one of these social media platforms, but someone referring to the Brooklyn Nets as run DNP because of how infrequently their star players play. Anyway, extremely corny, uh, but extremely effective in terms of uh, slicing and dicing criticisms for that Brooklyn Nets team. Let's let's talk a little bit here about news in Bearcat land. I don't expect this to be one of our longer podcasts because it was a bit of a slow week and it's a bit of, it's the off season for us. So we'll try and keep cranking out content, but it may be a little shorter here and there until we get, opportunities to dive deeper with the guest or go in on a topic for previewing football. What's the face? What's the face you're making? I'm saying, well, spoiler alert here. If, if you guys want to hang out with us for a long podcast, just wait till afterwards. We're going to be talking UFOs. We're going to be talking 60 minutes. Just completely blow this out of the water. Aliens exist. That's true. It's true. And, and frankly, you know, it's, it's, we're past time figuring out a way to put an aliens podcast on the slang and podcast network. Um, we never mentioned it on this podcast, but we did add a second podcast to our young embryonic podcast network. And that's uh common sense is free with Corey Sims, who has been a guest on this podcast several times. It's Corey Sims bringing his unique perspective and sensibilities to a variety of topics. So one week he might dive in on Tesla one week. He might dive, dive in on, uh, the idea of student loan forgiveness or the episode that's dropping this week, he might dive in into an interview with a good friend of his one, someone who's very familiar to the Bearcats community, Jason Kelsey this week, Jason Kelsey was on his podcast. So I'm going to point people in that, in the direction of that podcast. 
it's not a sit down interview type, you know, situation. This is a conversation. It's two buddies talking through, you know, their love of baseball, things that bother them about the rule changes in baseball. Uh, Jason offers a counter to Corey's perspective on Elon Musk and Tesla. Really good conversation. We're actually going to play a clip of that podcast uh, at the end of this episode, which is um, it's Bearcat relevant and it's a nice game of Mary fuck kill. So look forward to that. Look, a few days ago, everybody went nuts about May the 4th. May the 4th. May the 4th. Be- no, it's May 13th. 513 day, baby. And we're celebrating it by bringing back Homage. Founded in 2007, Homage turns back the clock with shout outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and pop culture. From Billie Jean King to Larry Bird or Barry Larkin to Kenyon Martin. Homage tells stories of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school and creating new legacies. Pay homage at www.homage.com. And this month, we are celebrating, like I mentioned, 513 Day with 25% off the 513 Collection. Yes, special t-shirts celebrating the best that Cincinnati has had to offer. WKRP in Cincinnati. The big boy, my favorite hootie delight. Go check it out. You can shop homage online at www.homage.com and in six stores across Ohio, including their over the Rhine Vine Street location right here in Cincinnati. Once again, so they have created an exclusive offer for Cincy Slang and listeners running until May 23rd. Get 25% off your entire order when you use the code Langin513 at checkout. That's S L A N G I N 513. Check it out. Go get your gear today. Let's get into the news of the week, Hummer. This week, the biggest news was the fact that Wake Forest transfer Odie Oguama officially committed to play for the Cincinnati Bearcats. 6'9 power forward one of the best offensive rebounders in the Atlantic coast conference last season, you know, obviously he played on a team in wake forest. That wasn't very successful. That didn't have a lot of success in terms of wins and losses, but in terms of filling a roster need for our team next year, what we project to have as a need, Odio Guama is a massive get for West Miller and the staff. And he's the first commit that is not someone who is returning to Cincinnati or someone who is following Wes Miller from UNCG. Big deal, big get. What are your initial reactions to that Odio Guama commitment to play for UC? Well, I don't know if this is necessarily a a need for me to do, but I feel like I do have to give you some recognition, maybe a slight apology um, after we were discussing the the, the latest round of of recruiting gets. you had discussed specifically a need for offensive rebounding. And I'd made the comment about, well, you know, that's something that can be taught. Well, clearly he wanted to go out, West Miller to go out and get some big time offensive rebounding, get another big um, to be able to space the floor out with. So that's what he did. And that's, that's a huge roster need that he filled. I'm curious to see what we, where we go from here, because I think as we were talking about this uh, before we hopped on, you know, one of the criticisms we've had in the past was that there were no incoming freshmen. We technically still have no incoming freshmen 
but we do have players that are basically going to be freshmen in terms of eligibility time left guys that will be growing up together and being able to play a very harmonious game of basketball when they're super seniors. Um, so this is a really good get. This plugs in a really big need for the, for the roster. I also think it gives uh, Wes Miller and crew some time to maybe sit back a little to take their time with this next, the next filling up that last scholarship spot. I don't expect to see news in the next week or two. I really think they're going to be taking their time. They're really going to be identifying someone that they, you know, I don't want to say someone big. That's like, you know what I mean? That's like too over the top, but you know, well, let's put it this way. Odie Oguama is someone that Wes Miller and his staff were able to lure to Cincinnati over the legs of Kansas, over the legs of Arkansas, you know, teams with cachet teams with success in the tournament, big names. Eric Musselman has, has done damage to our psyche many a time, not just from a recruiting standpoint, see last season in Jalen Tate, uh, but also in terms of our spirits back from 2018. And we definitely don't need to beat that dead horse. I think that you're right. I think that with this last scholarship spot, and that's what we're going to refer to it for now as, because it, it really does appear that David DeJulius and Victor Locken are both going to be returning to the Cincinnati Bearcats far from a guarantee. That's not the Cincy slang and guarantee stamp of, uh, you know, this isn't some Tommy boy, guarantee we're putting on the label at this point but in, in terms of what the sign is what signs are pointing to i expect both of them to be back in a bearcats uniform at this point that leaves one spot left from a scholarship standpoint and i think what you're saying is right that they're going to probably do their best to land someone who's going to be highly sought after from other big you know high level college basketball programs and that's a good thing uh, because I think that we need and, and have the opportunity for another player like that to join the program. I want to, I want to actually chat with you about what type of player would fit that mold. You know, are we going after a wing? Are we going after another player in the same mold or similar mold as an Odio Guama? Here, here's what the depth chart looks like right now from a, on a position by position basis. And, and this is not projected starting lineups or anything. I'm just listing it out basically in terms of seniority um, and, and going that way. So at point guard, right now it looks like David DeJulius and Mike Saunders Jr. At the two guard, Micah Adams-Woods, Mason Madsen, A.J. McGinnis. At small forward, Jeremiah Davenport, John Newman III. Power forward, Odio Guama, Jared Hensley, Rob Banks. And then center, Hayden Caval and Victor Lockett. So given what the depth chart looks like right now and the current roster construct, I, I want to chat with you about what do you think Wes Miller is looking for in his ideal 13th scholarship? I think he's looking for another big. A big and, and kind of in the same mold, like another big rebounder, uh, a, a floor stretcher like Lockin or Koval, or, you know, what are you envisioning there when you say big? I'd say probably more in the same mold. You know, I'm thinking that you're going to need guys that, I'm not, I'm buying into your, your motto here. We're going to need offensive rebounding. And so if Odie's not on the court, you know, having someone who's going to be able to come in as a six man or set, you know, off the bench to be able to, to take that role. Um, I think it's something that we're going to need. Also, if we get someone in there, that's maybe a little younger too. Um, not that Odie doesn't have a lot of years left in him. Cause he's not a grad transfer by any means, but you know, we still, I believe he, he signed, he was an 18, right? So he's a junior this year. Yeah, he's going to have two years of eligibility. It's weird. It's weird to talk about what year they are. It, you have to almost speak about it in terms of years of eligibility left. 
right? But even so. then, I don't know how to project it because not every player is going to want to use up that bonus year that they got because of COVID. Yeah, and there's there's going to be players who won't use it up. Um, it just depends. I think a lot of it depends on what you're looking at. From this is where it's going to be interesting with with like the G League uh, coming into play with some of the super seniors. But that's that's for us to discuss in the future. Um, I think you're looking for a young big who is going to be here maybe four more years. So you're looking for someone who was a freshman last year, um, or maybe you're saving a spot for a true recruit or a true freshman recruit. I don't know. That's just me. I, I don't know. What, am I way off base? I don't think you're off base. I mean, we didn't, we probably didn't do enough time on Odio Guama, but I mentioned specifically called out his offensive rebounding. He's very athletic. He's got good size. He's also a good defensive rebounder and he's not necessarily what you would think of in terms of a highly skilled big. He's not someone who's, he can put it on the floor. I'm not saying he can't, but he's not a floor stretcher. Um, he's definitely a rim runner. He's definitely someone who can finish in traffic and he's someone who is very active defensively. And if you look at his freshman numbers, he was a huge positive defensively for Wake Forest in his freshman year. Um, not as much sophomore year, but again, they were such a bad team that it's really hard to assess his, his on-off numbers from a, from a box plus minus standpoint. So I, I tend to agree with you. I'm, I'm looking at our roster, and one thing that jumps out to me, if you look at our backcourt, it's very small. You know, David DeJulius and Mike Saunders Jr., maybe six feet tall each. And then from with Mike's, Mike Ad, Micah Adams-Woods, Mason Madsen, and A.J. McGinnis, you're talking about guards who are 6'3 or shorter, probably. I'm, you know, I don't know official me- measurements, but I believe all of them are going to be McGinnis six, three is 6'3", Adams-Woods is 6'3", Mason Madsen, I know he's not, you know, you know, a, a primary ball hitter, but he's he's not that tall either. It's six four. John and, Newman, and I think six, I think six four is being generous. I think six four is being generous. My point is that's not a lot of size in your backcourt. You know, with with Jeremiah Davenport, John Newman the third, Odio Guama, that's that's good size on your front court. Jeremiah, we know is going to play quite a bit of stretch four on this team. So if you're not going to get another big. I would, I would suspect they're going to target another, and this, these guys don't grow on trees, but basically another Jeremiah Davenport, you know, another, another player who can stretch the floor, but also has a little bit more size than the likes of, you know, Micah Adams woods, even though he's long rangy, um, he's really good defensively because he plays bigger than his six, six, three size. I think that the team could use a wing in that six, 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 seven size range. But ultimately, I also wouldn't be surprised with, with what you're saying, which is getting another big man, another board, another rebounder. Uh, because at the end of the day, we Victor Locken is a huge wild card, and Wes Miller said it himself in Justin Williams' most recent article about you know really not having a lot of tape on him. It's the biggest question: is health? Can he play? Can he stay on the court? And with that, you know, uh, I think that's the biggest question to ask is is can Victor Locken stay on the court? And if he doesn't, you're, you're left with Hayden Koval, who is a one-year transfer, grad transfer, who is still awaiting clearance. We did find that out, that he does need to be cleared and get a waiver, and Odio Guama. So I, I, if I was, a, if I was a, not even just a betting man, but if I, want, if I got my way, I would want Wes Miller to be targeting another big for next season. I think we need it. I mean, that's just, you're looking at the depth chart too. You got two guys listed at center. That's, that's really it. So, 
you know, I think that's exactly what you need. You need a big man. It'll be good. Yeah. And your, and your backcourt's going to be small and that's just how it's going to be next year. You know, there's teams who can, in college basketball, you can get around having smaller backcourts. It's going to have to be team rebounding and gang rebounding. I see one plus, I would say at their position, there's two guys on this team, two players on this coming team for the Bearcats basketball team that are plus rebounders for their position. Odio Guama and David DeJulius. Everyone else is pretty average at best from a rebounding standpoint. And so uh, in terms of what we need, a need for the team, I still think there is there is a hole there and there's room for another big man with a good rebounding rate. Yeah, and I think the rebounding on the team is going to have to improve, though. Even even with the guys who we who were returning, you know, they're going to have to have a little bit of David to Julius rub off on them, and that's where I do think that that is the task. Part of the task of Wes Miller is to instill a little bit of that gang gang mentality for for rebounding. Uh, that is going to be, in, in my mind, one of Wes Miller's probably top priorities. And once we start getting into practices, it's instilling that into of chasing down your rebounds, chasing down your shots, getting, you know, but also being cognizant on the defensive side of the ball. You know, that's where he wants to be present. Uh, luckily, I think we have players who can do that. I think we have guys who bring a lot of energy to the court. And sometimes that's what rebounding is. It's energy. You know, it's, it's being cognizant of your shot and following it and just, you know, out hustling the other team. Um, and we, we do have some players who have that, I think have that ability. Mike Saunders is, is, Especially after we get the monster factories back, baby, we're going to hopefully see some more explosive explosiveness out of some of these guys that are returning uh, for their sophomore year. And, you know, I would like to see Mike Saunders Jr. be doing the same thing that David Julius does on the rebounding side of the ball. He has the energy. He's quick as heck. You know, that should be something that he, he is being tasked with to do. Jeremiah Davenport has the size. He obviously he's one of the most energetic players on the court. I think his rebounding should be, should greatly improve this year. Um, my most interesting player of the year is my man, your man, the one, the only, Rob Banks. <laughs> Talk to me. Why is he your most interesting player of the year? He's my most interesting player of the year because he came on full scholarship. And I've, I've, I saw on Twitter some people were kind of like, well, it's time to take away Rob Banks scholarship. You know, we need to make room for other players. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with it. I think we have a... Our team seems very, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of players we don't know because we haven't watched them, right? We have not seen really John Newman play. I wasn't watching Clemson games all, all last year. We didn't watch Hayden Corval. We didn't wear, watch Jared Hensley. We didn't watch A.J. McGinnis. We didn't watch Odie. So, but if we're looking at the way the roster is constructed, it seems like we have a lot of depth now. And we have a lot of depth, particularly at guard. Uh, I'm curious that... If there was an agreement in place that John Brandon said, yes, Rob Banks, you will be getting a scholarship. Uh, and then Wes Miller wants to come in and honor that. Knowing Wes's story, you know, where he was basically asked to, you know, not be a scholarship player. Uh, I, I feel like he may, maybe he sees something in Rob Banks that he's willing to say, yeah, no, we're giving you a scholarship. You're a Bearcat. Be a, we're, you're going to be a great Bearcat. Yeah, and I think it's the right thing to do to honor the scholarship. Whether you agree with the, the decision of the past coach or not, I mean, it's he was honored. He was offered a scholarship for the coming season, and therefore let's let's honor that request or that uh, that gift that was given to him. And yeah. behind the scenes, we don't necessarily know what he did to, you know, potentially earn and justify occupying that scholarship. I think 
in terms of his ability to get on the court and compete, there were flashes that defensively and from a toughness standpoint, he can do that. I don't know that um, it's yet it's TBD. It's completely TBD. If he's going to have any sort of major role next season, I, I doubt it. You know, if I was a betting man, I would say he's probably not getting major minutes for the team next season. Um, but you know, I will after, say this. after last year, after last year's like uh, debacle of us completely whiffing on Jeremiah Davenport minutes, I'm not willing to go out and say <laughs> who is getting minutes and who is not this year. Scared money don't <laughs> make money, baby. You got to keep firing, keep shooting your shot. Um, Rob, who, Bang, right, who, who's the starting five with, with with what information we don't know? Like, who is the starting five? My prediction for the starting five next season is going to be. You want to do way too early starting five projections? I think way too early. We haven't even seen practice yet. We haven't even heard practice rumors yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm predicting point guard Mike Saunders Jr., shooting guard Micah Adams-Woods, small forward Jeremiah Davenport, power forward Odio Guama, and center Hayden Caval. That is my projected starting five Cincinnati Bearcats lineup way too early, and I reserve the right to change it before the next season. Okay. Um, there's not much controversy there. I think the most controversial isn't. idea would be Mike Saunders being the starter over David DeJulius. That's that's kind of where I was leaning um, when I'm looking at, at what you're going through there. And in my only, I guess my only hesitation of saying that you know David DeJulius is one, we haven't heard anything, so we don't know. But at the end of the day, we know he has experience. We know he takes care of the ball. You know. I could actually see him getting the nod over Mike Saunders Jr. I, I mean, I think I think he would have a great role though as a backup six man on the on the bench, as like running your second unit. I think that he would be really good in that role. I think Saunders Jr. stylistically does a lot of things that Wes Miller would value, like pushing the ball up the court, playing with tremendous pace, being able to press the ball ninety four feet. I think those are things that Wes Miller is going to salivate over. And he's going to want to feature it in his lineup. So, you know, hopefully Mike Saunders Jr. is working on that left hand from a from a dribble drive standpoint. Yes, I'm saying it. And I, and Brett Stein, there's other people who have questioned my my opinion here. I do think that that he's got to tighten up that handle on the left hand side if he's really going to take it to the next level. Finishing left hand all day. We saw it against Memphis. We saw it against elite competition. But in terms of his ability to handle pressure. You know, if we, if who was it last season that was full court pressing us? Might have been Wichita State. Might have, actually, I think it was SMU. We almost blew the tournament game in the American Athletic Conference tournament to SMU when they put on a full court press. And Brandon was extremely slow to bring David DeJulius back in. And he was the only guard who had shown that he could hold up against a full court press. And I think. In Mike Saunders Jr. Jr.'s case, that was largely because of, you know, a, a need to develop his handle and being able to dribble against pressure, and it largely hinges on his left hand. So that's a huge point of emphasis for Mike Saunders Jr. going forward. I, I think that's why you're making the case for David DeJulius as the as the starting ball handler. God dang it, you're right. I just contradicted myself. I'm with you, Hummer. <laughs> I think you're already convinced. After I go through this long spiel about a weakness of Mike Saunders Jr., but maybe I'm maybe I'm baking in that development and I'm baking in an off season of saying, hey, this is a weakness for me. I have to develop it. Because in terms of what Mike can't do, 
it's not much. Like he's already elite at on ball defense. He's already elite in terms of pushing the ball in transition. He's high level at finishing at the rim. So what does it come down to ball handling with the left hand? And then obviously his ability to shoot and knock down an open three pointer. Look, I think at the end of the day, it's really not going to matter in this particular case who starts unless we were having like serious turnover issues in the first, you know, two, four, two to four minutes of the game. I don't think it's going to matter, uh, you know, one way or the other, if it's David Julius or, or, or Mike Saunders jr. Uh, long story short, they're both going to get minutes. They're both going to get lots of action. Uh, you know, I think the, the interesting parts about that is the different rotations we're going to see. Cause it's weird. You know, we've got a lot of, a lot of kind of unknowns from a Bearcat fan perspective, uh, yep. from the players that are coming in. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of guys really... with similar talent, right? Like there's not, it's deep. I think you alluded to the depth, but it's not necessarily a team with a lot of, or, or clear and obvious elite of talent that's going to dominate a lot of the minutes. It's going to be open season in terms of earning minutes and, and competing for minutes on this roster. Yeah. And we have, a, we have a lot of guards, like a lot of guards. Yep. Um, it's going to be, very interesting. Like, you know, last year we kept looking and waiting to see small ball, small ball. I wouldn't be surprised if we see small ball lineups again this year. Like, I think we're going to see those. We're going to have to, you'll have to no quick, depth in the front court. You're going to see incredibly quick pushing the ball up the court. You know, David, the Joyce is going to be, I think, tasked with being kind of just as quick as Mike Saunders. Let's push, push the tempo, um, you know, move, move ball movement, get the guys open. Um, I think one of the biggest benefits this team is not going to have um, is we're not going to have a giant black hole on the court in terms of just an offensive suck zone. Um, you know what I mean? So like, we're going to have, I'm trying not to, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to go there too hard. I basically don't think there's going to be, there's, there's not going to be a, a guy you have to run the ball through. Everybody's going to be able to contribute and they're going to be no high usage player. Right now there's no high usage player on this team for better or worse. And that's why if they do there's go one back, high there's gonna be one high usage player. I think Jeremiah Davenport is gonna be a high usage player. Maybe, but he was incre- he was eons better last season than he was his freshman year, and his usage rate didn't change at all. His minutes did, but his usage rate didn't. His his value offensively is that he is a floor spacer, he's got great size on the perimeter, and he can score and be a threat and, and put pressure on the defense without dominating the ball and without requiring lots of dribbles and lots of possessions where it's just him pounding the rock. That's an advantage. I mean, is it going to go up? I, I expect it will, but I think it's a mistake if Jeremiah Davenport is going into the season with a, the mindset of, I need to have a Keith Williams, Jaron Cumberland esque usage rate. That would not be the right style for him. I, I can't disagree with that, but I, I could just see it. <laughs> I, it, I guess it, a lot of it depends. I mean, he was hitting shots at a very high rate last year. He was, he was converting a lot of shots. You mentioned his usage didn't go up, but his scoring drastically did. He hit more shots as well. You know, he, he was making his percentages were, were incredible. So if he continues that type of production from like a percentage standpoint and you're increasing the shots, then that's where I see maybe the usage going up a little bit. But I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited just to get the season underway. I don't know how we're going to do this for the next few months. Like this. Well, is gonna be, I mean, you can tell how giddy. World. Look how giddy we are that we kind of when we're planning the show, we kind of said, "Hey, this is just going to be a quick hitter, 15 minutes. Let's celebrate the fact that we got Odio Guama to commit to Cincinnati, rehash the roster." But 
all of a sudden we're 30 minutes in and we're chatting about, you know, roster breakdown, who's going to play what minutes, what are the weaknesses? I'm excited. This team, I think it's the first time we've had the opportunity to talk about. It's the first time we've had the opportunity to do it because we didn't know what the lineup was really shaking out. We had, we had the four guys that came in from UNC Greensboro and and Clemson combined, but now the one player, one addition of Odie gives you an actual lineup. Where even if we hypothetically didn't fill the last scholarship role, like hypothetically, not saying that that's going to happen, but you actually have a team that you can throw out there that seems like there is a hint of competitiveness in this roster that we're going to go out there and we're going to compete to win basketball games. That's the I first agree. time we've been able to it's, first time we've been able to talk about it in in a few months. It's exciting. It's fun. It it feels different. It feels you know it's like something we haven't done in months at this point. And when you mentioned the, I think you were you were driving home the point that we've got a lot of guards, and the meanest and most cynical way of saying it would be we've got some potential redundancies on this team. And I hope that Wes Miller's job doesn't turn into some ugly demonic version of Bill Lumberg, you know, going to certain guys on the team saying, Hey, we got a redundancy problem here. And uh, there's only so many minutes to go around. I think that might be one of the bigger challenges, especially in the backcourt for this team. I mean, could you see him going and saying something of the route of Jeremiah Davenport, you know, with his size and saying, all right, yes, you're technically listed as a guard, but what, how would you feel about being more of a wing? Me being more of well, a... He is. I mean, a, he is going to be a wing, and I think the big challenge for Jeremiah... Like, my, my, my dream for Jeremiah Davenport is, is with Mike Rayfelt now being in the fold and an off-season underway with this guy in the Monster Factory... And it's not like he's never worked with Mike before. He worked with Mike Rayfeld his, his freshman year, but a little bigger, a little quicker, a little stronger. And all of a sudden, those minutes he's playing at the four, he's not getting you know pushed around down low. His rebounding numbers take a spike, and you've got Jeremiah Davenport holding it down at, at kind of that four spot, and you're able to play him with an Odio Guama. Ugh. Ugh. I love it. I feel like this is a prediction here. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm I was going to do the, the P90X. <laughs> I hate it, but I love it. But I actually don't hate it at all. I just I just love it. That's it. You got me excited uh, just picturing that potential uh, working out right there. I think overall, it seems like the roster, you know, the biggest piece we lost being Tari Eason is a huge athletic loss. But I think overall... I think we gained athleticism on the roster. So I think we have a net gain in athleticism coming in as opposed to a net loss. Counterpoint. We lost the two most athletic players on the team, Tari Eason and Keith Williams, and we are not as athletic as we were last year. (laughs) (laughs) Hummer, let's leave it there for now um, and flip it to this clip we will share from Common Sense is Free with Corey Sims. Please you know, wait, wait, wait. wait. On, I can't, don't. I can't, I can't let you do that because yes, you're talking about the two most talented Keith Williams, Tari Eason, you know, but the other players that were, that were replacing, you know, Chris Fote, like <laughs> there, there's a, there's an average there. Right. And the average gets dragged down very, very heavily. Um, you know, and, and, and not not for nothing too, because I don't want to you know necessarily speak bad of, of this of, of this one either. But he just didn't work out on the court for us at all. 
rapless Ivanowskis. Hang on. You can't count him. He only played about seven games. Yeah, that we doesn't... left him. Your boy, Mamadou Diara, love him to death. Another athlete. That's athleticism right there. Uh, Elite athleticism. I don't know, man. Sometimes. I mean, I th- I'm talking athleticism. That's what I'm talking. Athleticism. Talking overall roster. I feel like we're going to enjoy this roster more than last year's. The nittiest of nitpicks, but I, I mean, I'll say this. You're not going to win an argument when. The nittiest he, of nitpicks. We know, we know that Tari Eason and Keith Williams are in, just in terms of athletic specimens, in terms of quickness, length, ranginess, ability to jump and finish. Like th- that's, that's hard to top. Like those are NBA caliber athletes that we lost. Fair. Okay. I'm glad you're with me. Let's flip it to this, this, this clip from common sense is free with Corey Sims. He's again, talking to Jason Kelsey, the great Jason Kelsey, Bearcat legend, Jason Kelsey, Super Bowl champion, Jason Kelsey. I was about to say Philadelphia Eagle legend. I'm not an Eagles fan, but Philadelphia Eagles legend. You in Philadelphia. A couple of Philadelphia questions in there for you, but at this point in the podcast, we're sending it to uh, a moment in the podcast when Corey was doing more or less a rapid fire with Jason. And this question uh, was a, you know, a, a, t- a tough, hard-hitting question from Corey. I got to give him kudos for that. It was, uh, look, Mary fuck kill. Butch Jones, Brian Kelly, Luke Fickle. I'll leave it there. All right. How about Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Luke Fickle? We're doing Mary, Mary fuck kill. What are we doing here? <laughs> You know it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would. Um, we said we said Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Luke Fickle. Yeah. So I obviously I Jones left I left the state senator or the yeah, federal I mean, senator if, or the congressman Tuberville out of there. Axed, yeah, Tommy's axed for sure, but. Uh, of those three, you'd have to kill Butch. Kill him. Kill uh, him. <laughs> and then um, if we're doing it purely off of aesthetics, I would marry Brian, or I would fuck Brian and marry Luke. But if we're doing it for the betterment of a football program, um, I would probably still do it that way. <laughs> Oh, BK. He's got your heart. Hey, I, I love BK. I love uh I like Luke. I love Luke too. I think they're, they're both tremendous options. I mean, Brian's been really successful throughout his coaching stint, and I'm obviously super connected with uh those coaches from my time with them. Uh, but I like Luke a lot too. I mean, he's um not only has he been really successful at Cincinnati, I just like the whole vibe that he brings, his energy, is um, you know, he's super enthusiastic about the state of Ohio and about Ohio football, which I yeah. respect. Um, actually, I knew Luke Fickle long before I knew any other college football coach because when I was a linebacker at Cleveland Heights as a sophomore, I went to uh, the Ohio State uh, football camp. Uh, 
and actually it might have been even younger than that. But um, Luke Fickle was the linebackers coach at Ohio State back then, and he was taking me through drills and uh, you know showing me how to get in the stance and all that stuff. So, um, and I, I've liked him even since then. So I'm, I'm happy he's doing really well, and uh, you know, go Cats! Yeah, that's right, man. 